Today we have Daniel Rasky from Satchel and Page joining us in the Buttoned Up podcast to hear all about starting a leather company. Very excited to talk to you, Daniel. How are you? Doing well. Happy to be here. My background, and if anybody has seen my videos on Satchel and Page, is I found your Kickstarter when you first started Satchel and Page, and I still use the briefcase that I bought back then. But uh, I want to go even a little further back and so you can talk about the map case and that sort of thing, but uh, talk about where you grew up and how you came to start your company. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Chicago suburbs. Um, went away for school, went down to Austin, which is where I started Satchel and Page. Um, I was in consulting for uh, most of my career. I got my MBA and I was doing a lot of like oil and gas strategy consulting. I didn't really have like much of a passion for it. Um, and in 2011, I got laid off from my job and I was kind of at a, you know, crossroads of what to do. Um, I, you know, always wanted to do my own thing. Um, and I was, Kind of 2011 e-commerce was, you know, kind of taking off. Seemed to like be gaining momentum. Not where it is today, but, um, and so I saw like the men's accessories market as a good, good opportunity. Um, so I started Satchel and Page like kind of as a side, side business, right? Um, I was still doing like some project consulting work on the side, um, and. You know, I kind of already had the idea of like going into bags, um, but I was back home in Chicago and I was kind of, my grandfather had just passed away. We were going through some of his old things and um, he was in World War II and I noticed this like old weathered, his old map case from World War II. Um, so that kind of gave me a, like a light bulb of like how to focus more in, in the bags. You know, before then we were kind of like dabbling in wax canvas. We were really not like sure our focus. Um, and that from that point, um, we kind of moved to like a lifetime warranty, vintage inspired, um, you know, designs kind of model. What kind of bag were you carrying at the time? Um, what was I carrying? I was carrying like a Briggs and Riley bag, <laughs> you know, for consulting, like one of those nylon black bags. Okay. It's still a pretty good brand though. Yeah. Um, it was okay. It's just like everyone kind of has that when you're at the airport. Briggs and Riley or Toomey. Yeah. You take your pick. Yeah. So you find the map case and then uh, what starts you even further there? Yeah. So I, so I found the map case and then we decided, you know, before then we were just doing like wax can. It, it was really just a side business. We were making like wax canvas bags. We were making them here like very low quantities. And then I found the map case and then I decided like to redesign the entire collection. Um, and come out with like four new styles, all leather, um, at a higher price point. And then the idea was to launch them on Kickstarter. Um, I'd seen like other brands kind of get their start. Um, and there was just a huge, back then, if you launched a product on Kickstarter, you could just, if it was like, you know, well-presented, um, it could kind of take off on its own. Now it's like just becoming like a Facebook ads competition. Um, so we launched the map case, we launched the mailbag, we launched the briefcase, we launched we launched the Gladstone. Those that was like our first leather collection. We launched that about five years ago on Kickstarter. So the map case was kind of the inspiration behind that collection. And what are your first steps like? You're 
you have no experience sourcing leather or construction. Like, what was that whole process like? It took like, you know, two or three times longer than it could have if we had the experience. We went through like a lot of different leathers. We went through a few different factories. Um, it was a lot of like just experimentation. Um, you know, now our before we make a final product, it usually will take us like three samples. Back then, it was like six or seven. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear I hear a lot of like direct consumer founders saying. I guess they're kind of like you in that, like they didn't come from the industry. And a lot of the times you hear people saying that's sort of an advantage because you're looking at it with new eyes. Would you agree with that? Or do you think it would have been a lot easier if if you had experience in the leather industry? I think if you, if I think having experience would have, would have made things like a lot easier for the first couple of years. Um, But, you know, if you worked, if you worked all in, you know, if you've worked all your life in fashion, maybe you don't have like the other skills like the other skills you need for e-commerce, you know, maybe you don't really know how to acquire customers. Maybe you don't know how to like price your product. So, I mean, if, if I had to choose like one skill set of like knowing fashion or knowing business, I would, I would choose business. But obviously if you have both of those skill sets, when you start a, when you start a company, you're in like way better, way better position. Well, were there any brands back then that you were looking at saying, wow, they're doing a great job. I, I'd like to, kind of emulate their strategy as far as like there there are other brands in, in in just in fashion i wouldn't say like leather bags for like men's fashion that i saw like kind of coming up like i think everlane was kind of getting going then um and i just like thought just like how their everything designed was so clean um and so you know their the customer experience was so easy um their packaging and they just had all their everything lined up um so the other, you know, the, the leather bag companies at that time that I saw, like, did seem to be like a little, not as like web savvy, I would say kind of more like handmade feeling vibes. Yeah. It seems like a lot of, um, it seems like a lot of the leather brand or leather bag brands fall into one or two categories. It's like the super rugged, you know, kind of like the saddlebacks and then the ultra modern, ultra minimal you know, linear type, um, brands, which, uh, you know, I, I guess, I guess you're kind, you're kind of on one side of the spectrum, but you're also sort of straddling that line. And I think your customer experience feels a little more modern, even though the brand aesthetic is a, is a little more traditional. So definitely, um, straddling the line a little bit. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's definitely by design. Um, I think our bags kind of appeal. The idea is to like kind of appeal to both markets. Um, you know, we do have a lifetime warranty, um, but we have kind of felt, we have noticed that like the more our cleaner, like, you know, our zippered briefcases, for instance, are, have kind of been like leading us in the last year. So we're tipping a little towards like the modern, the modern side. And so, so how did you start, uh, you know, actually getting eyeballs on the website and selling bags once you had the product? Uh, I think Kickstarter was huge for us, um, just because our first campaign, we, we were able to acquire about, I think it was like 800 customers. Um, and we paid for all our inventory. So we just like, we didn't have to deal with like the, some of the capital challenges that like most every new business face, you know, of how, you know, how to pay for your inventory. Um, and then we kind of already had our following. Um, and then as far as like getting customers to our site, 
it's kind of just been a gradual, we've been kind of gradually scaling up. I feel like most e-commerce direct consumer brands were acquiring most of our customers on Facebook and Instagram. Um, we're using, you know, email automation. Uh, we're using, you know, retargeting on the Google network. We're doing a little bit of influencer marketing. Um, so it's now it's just, you know, a combination, but Facebook and Instagram are maybe 75% of our marketing spend. So you do, you have your successful Kickstarter, uh, any hiccups with delivering those products? Um, fortunately, nothing too, nothing too crazy. Like, you know, some, you hear some Kickstarters are like, they just become disasters. I mean, we were probably, we were delayed, I would say maybe like a month or two, um, which is almost like expected by the Kickstarter community. They're super patient. Um, so fortunately it went pretty well. Well, as a person that still doesn't have a coolest cooler, I can tell you my patience wore thin, but, uh, <laughs> so you use that momentum and then like what, cause I know you did like a, a, almost a re relaunch of your entire company when you switched to a different leather. So like, what was that journey like for you after the Kickstarter as you looked to kind of grow? Yeah. And I, this is kind of like taking back to like Brock's question before is like, do we, would it have been better to like kind of know more what we were doing? And so like, this is like, it, it took us a couple years to like get our product to like, to the point where we're like exactly how we want it. Um, and the leather was the big, uh, kind of the big stepping stone before that we were sourcing leather from like, we would kind of be bouncing around different tannery to tannery. Um, usually with tanneries, like if you're small, you don't get the best service they might start out, you might get a, you know, a few, few good orders, good quality, and then steadily kind of decreases. Um, and so we kind of had to take a step back and like, we decided to resource everything. Um, and we went to a couple trade shows. Um, one of them in Italy, one of, one of them was in Hong Kong, like the leather fair. And we got, I would say like eight different sample hides from all from Italian suppliers. Um, and in Italy, the tanneries are they're a lot smaller than in other places in the world. So, you know, the tannery we work with now is only 15 people. It's like the perfect size for us because they can, they can easily handle our capacity. They can scale with us, but they're small enough that they, they actually care. Um, and our, our leather is very difficult to make. It's very natural. So there's a lot of variation. So it's critical that the tannery like is very vigilant at every step. Um, and so now we've been working with them for almost a year and a half. And we've like the issues we've had with them have been like almost nothing, which is amazing for vegetable tan leather, the type of leather that we use. Um, and that's, you know, since we've, since we kind of relaunched the company with the new leather, our businesses, we've probably, yeah, we've like doubled since then. So that's something that, that you're responsible for. You're going to Hong Kong, you're going to these trade shows and then, and then you're directly trying to make those relationships or do you have a, a small team you've built up? Uh, when we did the original sourcing, I, I did it. Um, now that we kind of have everything in place, we have a sourcing person that's in Italy and they're just monitoring our, they're monitoring the leather, they're monitoring our production. Um, but now it's, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty smooth when there's an issue, it's like one bag or two bags, you know? That's great. Yeah. The new leather is, is definitely beautiful as, uh, Carl and I can attest to. And so, um, it's been a little, I would say it's just been a little challenging. Our costs went up quite a bit. And so we're still trying to keep our price. We want to be under like under the $500 price point for a briefcase. 
to, you know, to still give people an amazing value. Um, and so we've had to kind of streamline things in other ways to where you can, we can still, you know, be profitable and offer like a really, a really killer price. Yeah. Cause you do sit in an interesting spot between there's like the, uh, very small, like single person shops that are doing leather and then there's like the huge companies. And then there's like, it's, it's almost the opposite of a bell curve of the companies that are like your size that are doing like this type of, um, leather. And I think that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. So we, like one of the things we had to do was we've kind of had to concentrate, like cut down on the number of different like styles we're doing. Um, I, I know we talked, I think we talked about this, like we were, we were making leather jackets, which like got great feedback. Um, we were really sad to have to discontinue them, but the online jacket business was just like too tough and it just devoted like too much, too many resources, like that kind of pulled us away from our core. And so we just had to kind of had to, had to make decisions like that to be able to maintain our price level. Yeah. Fashion is definitely challenging, especially when you have much larger companies that you're fighting against. Yeah. Um, and just, we realized that we don't want to make clothing it's just too difficult with the returns and, you know, sizing people online wasn't like what we're best at. So I think that takes a lot of humility. Yeah. You got to know what you're not good at. That's what I'm slowly finding out. So, uh, so you now are just doing a whole new collection around travel. And so you're using your new leathers, uh, new stuff. And I saw Carl did a video on the garment bag. And so what was some of the inspiration around that collection? Uh, we, like I said before, we, we noticed that our business was like our zippered briefcases were becoming our best sellers. So we feel like that's, you know, someone in like law or in finance or in consulting, someone who potentially travels more, um, our travel bags, the ones that we were selling before this were it's the pilot's bag and the Gladstone bag, which are like beautiful bags, but they're more for a road trip than like, say, take on a plane, um, just for like with the functionality, the ease of use. So we kind of designed this collection specifically for business travelers. So like our weekender is really, I've been using it. It's a great carry on. And we've noticed like we're getting a lot of repeat purchases, um, people that had purchased a briefcase. Now they're also getting a garment bag. It was kind of like an untapped, you know, sub market, I would say. Yeah. And that Kickstarter went well. I say it's, it's fully funded and, uh, should be shipping at the end of the year. Uh, actually we didn't, we launched it on our website this time. We didn't launch it on Kickstarter. Um, we had noticed kind of on our last Kickstarter that we were bringing in most of our, most of the customers through Facebook anyways. And we weren't getting like a ton of new customers from inside of Kickstarter. So we launched this collection on our site. We're going to start shipping it in early December. Have you, speaking of Facebook, have you noticed like any differences, I guess, over the past few years in the efficacy or like the price, uh, I guess the CPA with Facebook or Instagram ads? Um, in the last year, it's like our CPAs have gone up like 10, 15%. And it's become like, like video has just become super important. And so the one ways that we've been able to like keep our CPAs down is just, we've had, we've had a couple, a few ads that have like done really well. Um, and so we've doubled down on those ads. And, and so when they appear in someone's feed, like there'll be, you know, like 50 or 60 comments, like thousands of likes. And so when you have an ad like that, it's all, it's kind of been like social proofed. Um, and so those type of ads convert, still convert really well. 
Did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it did. I'm, I'm, I've just been hearing a lot, I guess, reading articles and stuff about how, you know, Facebook is kind of the the new middleman, like you know, replacing retailers as the as the middleman, and that uh, some some direct consumer brands are having trouble using it in in the same way that you could three years ago. Um, I guess that maybe it's not it's no longer like the holy grail that it used to be, but it's it sounds like it's still working out. You really just need ads that like are gonna get a really high click. Uh, click through rate otherwise yeah if you're like if you're getting a one percent click through rate or two percent click through rate it's like you're now you're paying or instead of paying like 80 cents i don't know you're paying like a dollar something mm. so yeah you just really need to have like really good ads you need to have a good offer so where you, where you can convert it's just yeah it's just not as easy as it was and have you guys always handled like the creative and, and the copy and everything in-house or do you use an agency um uh, we we have used an agency before but we found that like at our, for what we're spending, the agencies like don't really make sense for us and we're getting better results doing it on our own. Um, now if we were spending, you know, $200,000 a month, then it would make sense to use an agency. But at our level, we've, we've had better results than, than agencies. We do have like, you know, as far as the creative, we do have, uh, like a photographer and a videographer in house, but we also work with like outside people. Nice. Yeah. I definitely noticed the, the photography, you guys have a, a very, um, recognizable, but unique look and feel. And it's, it's not, you know, it's not an Everlane. Like it's not the kind of what you see a lot these days at super clean, minimal. Um, I don't know, it just has a slightly, a slightly different aesthetic, but it's still modern. So I think that's, that's a really good, to me, that seems worth investing in having your own aesthetic that kind of sets you apart from, you know, the millions of Kickstarter brands out there. Yeah, I, I think you're you're 100 right. I think it's like the second outside of the product, it's the the second most important thing. Your aesthetic, um, and it's actually interesting. Our our you know the person that does our photography, he was a customer um, before like working for us. Um, he and then he he loved the product and he reached out and he offered to like, we did a photo shoot for barter, like the first photo shoot we, the first like real photo shoot we ever did. Um, and since then he's like, actually he's come on and he's like working for us full time. Nice. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we've noticed like the most, like the most successful kind of relationship we've had have been like people that have just like really been into the brand and they've reached out to us. It's just kind of taken off. It's all about that product, all about that great stuff. So, Daniel, we do a rapid-fire segment where we just throw a couple of questions at you, just looking for quick one-word answers. Ready for that? Yeah, one-word answers, okay. What Short one-word okay. answers for the most part. So, uh, Oxfords or Brogues? Alfreds. Morning shower or evening shower? Both. Oh, uh, your favorite Bond actor? Um... Morgan, uh, no, what's his name? Uh, Connery. Connery. Spring, summer, or fall, winter? Fall. Navy suit or charcoal suit? Navy. Loafers or sneakers? Loafers. Uh, that's great. I thought you would throw a curveball in with boots. And then... Uh, uh, well, I should have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> getting into the shower and you want to like pump yourself up for the day, what song are you listening to? Um, I'm going to go with like a Gimme Shelter, Rolling Stones. Okay, nice classic pick. Yeah. 
So actually, I, that that's good for the rapid fire. But I guess my last question would just be like, what are some of the brands that you're because you're very much in the D 2 C space? Like, what are some of the brands that uh, you're excited about or you think are doing some great work? I would say like these are the usual suspects, but I would say you know Away Travel is just killing it. Taft is their content is amazing. It's different. They have like their own vibe and their own feel. Um, they seem to be doing really well. I'm a fan of this is just like an easy pick, but I'm personally a fan of Bonobos, their clothes and, and their price point. I think it's like a really good, you know, value for the quality. Um, it's super easy to shop there. Did we talk about any other ones? I'm trying to think. Just Briggs and Riley. Oh, yeah, obviously Briggs and Riley. <laughs> Shaking up the industry. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I, I've always been a huge fan of Bonobos Taft. I got a pair of their Chelsea's that I really like. And so those are great picks. But uh, thanks for coming on the podcast today, Daniel. People can check out Satchel and Page, the new travel collection coming out very soon. And uh, I think I'm going to have a video on that because the garment bag is pretty sweet that uh, Carl showed off. Mm. So I'm looking forward to checking that out. And uh, besides that, do you get any cool stuff you're working on for next year? Yeah, we're work, we're gonna come out with some camera bags. That's our next project. I think that's a big opportunity. Yeah, I, we don't feel like there's anything out there that's like inspiring, um, and so we're really excited about it. It should be. We're working on our designs. We're hoping to launch like next fall, like a year from now. Oh man, sign me up! <laughs> All right, there's a teaser for you. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of The Cavalier and Brock McGough of Modest Man. And we will see you next week.